13 Corpses Productions in association with the Arrow at Southeast Missouri State University proudly presents Stricken Part 6. This is our last podcast before the finale of the story of the Black Demon. For those that have sent in submissions, we want to thank you so much. It has been so much fun hearing how the story has twisted and turned its way over the last several weeks, and Jane and I can't wait for you to hear how it all turns out in the finale. We are excited to announce the winners of the $250 prizes for the best submission at the series ending. Please go to 13corpses.com to hear all the podcasts and to get details on what we've done throughout the series. Thanks again for all of you that have listened, liked, shared, and submitted your stories. We hope you had as much fun listening as we have had making them. And now, 13 Corpses presents Chapter 6 of a story written and recorded by Kevin and Jane Winstead with a special guest appearance by Brian Day. This is Stricken, Part 6. flashlight from the nightstand next to the bed and shone it all around the room. Nothing. I looked down the hall. Empty. Just another nightmare. I looked at the clock and it was 3.20. Just like it always was when I woke up covered in sweat. Terrified. I did my deep breathing exercise to calm myself down a little. I reached for my medication that was supposed to help me sleep, but decided against it. Sleep is my enemy. Sleep is where the demon is. I've always had these nightmares, since I was a child. It's why I stayed at Anthony's house as much as I was allowed to. He'd always talk me back to sleep instead of beating me with a belt like my father did when I woke him up with my screaming. I always thought of Anthony as the brother I never had. The family I had always wanted. After my mother was killed, my father was nothing more than the town drunk. He might as well have died with her. I wish that he would have. They found her in the middle of the field, beaten to death. I was certain my father was the one who did it. He used to hit her all the time over the slightest thing. He disgusted me. I was a kid when it all happened, so I don't know if there was a trial or even an investigation. I just remember standing in the rain as they dropped my only refuge from my father's brutality into the ground. My father died the night I graduated high school. I was basically living with Anthony's family at that point. He died alone, sitting in his recliner, 
with his eyes wide open. They said his expression was one of terror. I was told the drinking finally caught up with him. All of his organs shut down from the years of abuse. Same thing happened to his family. I didn't go to the funeral. I don't even think there was one for him. Things became better after Anthony and I went to college together. I always hated living in commerce. The perpetual feelings of dread and anxiety left me as soon as we crossed the city limits. I loved college. The freedom I felt there was a tremendous weight off the load I'd carried for as long as I could remember. Anthony and I did everything together. We both wanted to be writers. We were passionate about our favorite authors and spent many hours talking and dreaming about what the future held. That was until he met someone. The first night he spent away from our dorm room with her, I had a nightmare. I was in bed and woke up to see my father over the top of me, except his eyes were an intense and evil blue. His face turned black as he raised his hand to hit me. Then I woke up. It was like everything from commerce was coming back, flooding into my head like I had never went away. I woke up terrified and angry. I hated her for taking Anthony away. I was lost without him. I couldn't go home, and I couldn't stay. I picked up the phone to call him, but saw that it was only 3.20 in the morning. I remember sitting there in the dark, watching out the window for his car to arrive. It never did. At six that evening, I was still sitting in the window, and finally saw his car pull up. I felt a burning in my chest when I saw them both get out. She looked up and saw me and waved. All I could do was glare at her. When they walked through the door, I didn't even bother turning to look at them. I heard them talking to her, and then they finally walked up next to me. Sally, this is my best friend, Charlie. I'm so happy to finally meet you, Charlie. Anthony has told me all about you. That's strange. I haven't heard a thing about you. I walked past him and left. I knew I was being childish, stupid. But something else had taken me over. I wanted her gone. She was messing everything up. And I wouldn't put up with that. I gotta admit, they tried to make it work. Make us a happy threesome. Anthony even left me with her one weekend to try and force us to be friends. It always had to be his way. Sally went way out of the way to be friendly. I remember thinking that I'd play this game. I didn't know what my plan was, but sure, I'd play the part. I tried to loosen up, hang out. We went to places, and she was just so full of compliments, really trying to show me what a great person she was. But I knew what she was doing. When Anthony came back, he was thrilled that it went so well. I mean, of course he was. It went his way. We did what he expected us to do. I played along for what felt like too long. There were no more conversations of writing with Anthony. It was what she wanted to talk about. So many times I was left quiet, listening while I carried on and on about their shit. 
It was when Anthony began speaking of marriage that things changed for the worst. I didn't care that he was happy. I knew that if he was gone, the demon would come back to haunt me. It was always like this and nothing was going to change. So the question was, if I didn't want to go back to being the haunted child in commerce, what could I do to change the situation? Obviously, Sally would have to go. They had spent the night together in the dorm room after I had left. Anthony was being absurd. Sally had told him that I was making mixtapes and sending her love letters, and he wanted to have one of his heart-to-heart discussions, which was just him telling me to back off and that Sally didn't like me in that way. It was ridiculous. But I knew what was going on. She was trying to get rid of me. I stormed out and slammed the door behind me. I spent the night in the car, watching the window as the darkness fell and the lights finally went out. The rage was burning inside. How could he be so stupid? When the morning light slowly revealed itself, I walked down to get a cup of coffee at the diner around the corner, just like Anthony and I used to do every Monday. I watched as the car passed the window and Anthony made his way to his first class. Then I walked back to the dorm room, still seething, and I'll be damned if Sally wasn't still there, still in bed. Where have you been? We were worried about you. Please. I know what you're doing. He told me that you said I'd been sending you letters and mixtapes. I've been filling him with lies to get rid of me. (sighs) Look, you can make this a long process or you can just go. It won't take me long to have you out of the picture. You need to be a man, let him go, and be happy. He's been dragging you around his whole life. It's time he gets to live his own life without you right behind him all the time. Face it, you're the past. Go away now, little boy. It's over. I lost control. I picked up the bat that I kept next to my bed. It was only there for protection. Maybe deep inside, that's what I was using it for. She laughed when I picked it up. She didn't think I had it in me. The first swing sent her right back down on the pillow. Blood had sprayed all over the wall. She looked up at me, shocked, panicked. The rest went by in a blur. I stopped when my arms got too tired to swing anymore. I knew she had died a long time before I had stopped. The darkness and the rage began to fade away. and I was left holding the bat looking at an unrecognizable face. There was nothing left. So much blood. That's when my hands started shaking and I dropped the bat and put my bully clothes into a garbage bag. It washed my face and hands and and left. I didn't pass anyone on the way out. I threw the bag in the dumpster next to the building and just kept walking. My heart was beating so hard I thought it was going to explode. I had to run. I had to run far and as hard as I could. Everyone's going to hate me. I was a monster, just like my father. Anthony found me hours later. I guess I should have known not to go to familiar places. 
I was standing next to a creek that we found while we were hiking in the woods close to the town. The sound of the water was always soothing to me. I guess Anthony remembered. I've taken care of everything. Things are going to have to be different now, and it's your damn fault. But it's the way it's got to be now. What I ought to do is just take you straight to the police or kill you my damn self. I felt a lump forming in my throat. I took a deep breath and continued listening. He never looked at me. You're going to my grandfather's cabin and hide out until I can figure out what to do about all this mess and change your identity and get you away from everybody. Anthony, I... I don't want to hear one damn word out of you, you piece of shit. We got to the cabin and he let me inside, showed me around, and told me not to contact him. Then, without another word, he slammed the door behind him and was gone. Silence can be maddening. I would sit in the recliner and hear things outside the house, sometimes in the next room. Strange noises from the kitchen would bubble and pop during the dark hours of the night. The nightmares returned immediately. I woke up once to the feeling of being choked and the sound of laughing. I opened my eyes to find blue eyes looking right back at me. Then faded away. It was the first time I saw the demon when I knew I was awake. The weeks at the cabin felt just like it did when I was a child. Alone in the dark, waiting for the inevitable attack that was sure to come as soon as I closed my eyes. Except now the nightmares were making its way into the real world. I'd walk back from the kitchen and see something move in the corner. Blue eyes would slowly open and a laugh would come from the darkness of the room. Once I was sitting in the recliner, Anna must have dozed off. When I opened my eyes, it was right next to me. It took its claws and dug into the flesh of my arm, leaving deep cuts. I ran to the bathroom and locked the door only to look down at my arm and see nothing there. No wounds. Nothing. I couldn't sleep or eat and had decided that I was just going to end it all. I knew there was a gun that Anthony's grandfather kept in the bedroom. I didn't deserve to live. I deserved to die just like my father did. Alone. Then the demon couldn't torment me anymore. It was the night I had chosen to be my last that Anthony showed back up. He said it was all settled. I'd moved to a place up north, told me my new name and address, and that he even got me a job at a factory making steel pipe. Why are you doing this? Because you're still my brother. He embraced me and I felt myself break. We stood there for a long time like that. I got in the car and he drove me to my new home. We spoke about our childhood and went over some of the good memories we'd had during those days. I felt good to recount the good things we shared together. I missed those days so much. 
we finally said our sad goodbyes and embraced again. I felt forgiven. I looked around at the new place and it, it felt like it did when Anthony and I first got to go to college together after leaving Commerce. It was a fresh start. I felt like maybe things were going to get better from here. Our first day at the job was tough. It was a lot of hard work, but it was something that I could pour myself into. The loudness of the metal banging and the focus on getting the parts right just felt good to my mind. That night, I slept without being woke up by the demon. As time went on, I met someone. We met at a grocery store and it just clicked. Before long, we were having meals together, going to the movies. And one year after we met, we got married. One year after that, we had a child together. All the darkness of the past seemed to be another life that someone else lived. I never told her about the demon, my family, or Sally. We were happy, and I didn't want any of my past to destroy it. But things have a way of coming back around, don't they? Just a simple trip to the grocery store. The one we met at. Someone ran a stoplight and never slowed down. The hit and run. And my family was gone. Just like that. The darkness flooded back. And I began seeing the demon again. It was everywhere. At home, at work, tormenting me. Haunting me. I couldn't keep living like that. I'd went to a church in town and met the preacher late one night after I'd accidentally hit a dog that ran out in front of me while I was on my way home from work. While I was there, I thought that maybe he could be someone I could talk to about the demon that was following me while we were taking care of that poor animal. But the demon was there in the church with us, mocking him, laughing at him, and he never even knew he was there. I knew it was hopeless with him. So I decided that maybe there was another way. There was an old woman who lived in Commerce that kept a little museum full of the history of the town. I'd never seen a car there and never heard anyone say that they'd been there. I just knew I was terrified of her. My father said she was a witch and not to ever go around her. I never knew my father to be scared of anyone except her. Something about her just spooked him. But I didn't know where else to go. The short amount of time that I had feeling normal when I had a family was just long enough for me to fight to get it back. Even if it meant seeing a witch. So I got in my car and made my way to the place I swore I'd never return to. My heart sank when I crossed the city limit sign. A cloud of despair fell over me as I passed the old grocery store, the post office, all the other buildings that had remained unchanged in the years I'd been away. 
Time had stopped in commerce, and I had no intention of coming back. But I had been brought back by a demon and hoped this was where I was going to leave it. The museum was just out of town next to the cemetery, which just added to the old woman's legend. I parked and walked into the old building and shut the door behind me. Everything had a layer of dust on it from never being touched. There were black and white pictures hanging on the dull green walls of several displays of ancient tools used by our ancestors that had lived in the area decades ago. As I browsed through the visual history of our town, I heard a voice from behind a door in the back of the dimly lit room. Back here. The voice startled me. I stared at the door, nearly deciding to go back to the car and never come back to this town again, but I was desperate. I had to be rid of this demon once and for all, and if there was a chance to be free of it, I had to take it. I stepped toward the door, put my hand on the knob, and slowly turned it. The room was dark. There was a single lantern lit sitting on a small table. The shadows danced all around the room in the flickering flame. On the other side of the table was the old woman. In the firelight, her face was hard to make out. Her eyes were hidden by the reflection of the lantern on her small round glasses. Shut the door and sit down. I reluctantly did what I was told. The air in the room felt thick. I was having a hard time catching my breath. Hello, Charlie. She knew who I was. How? It had been years since I'd lived there. You look just like your father. Spitting image of him. The thought of my father made the tension increase as I sat there looking at the old lady, unable to speak. Your father came to me a few days before he died. Said he was having trouble sleeping, among other things. I supposed you were having trouble sleeping too, among other things. I should have walked out right then. What was I doing? Going to the devil to rid myself of a demon. What the hell was I thinking? Keep your place. I have a message for you. She pulled a large sheet of paper from a drawer and a pencil and placed it on the table in front of me. She began to draw circles, slowly at first, then faster and faster. I heard her humming to herself as she was now rapidly making the circles until I thought the paper was going to burst into flames. Then in the middle of the circle, she began making letters. Suddenly she stopped drawing and pulled a knife out from under the table. She slashed her palm and grabbed my hand with unbelievable strength. The knife slid easily through my palm and the blood quickly appeared, dripping on the table. She took the hand that she cut open and put it in mine. 
I could actually feel her blood mixing with mine as it went throughout my body. It was heavy and painful, and I couldn't help but scream. She finally let go as the lantern blew itself out. We sat there in the pitch black darkness, in complete silence. I was afraid to move, and afraid to stay. Then she finally spoke. I know why you came, Charlie. But I won't help you with that. I wouldn't help your father with it either. It stops when it's time for it to stop. My father? What do you mean? Of course you know what I mean, Charlie. Many men in your family have seen it. It torments you and there's no stopping it. Don't wake up, because it's not a dream. You are haunted, because it's a battle you cannot win. What did you just say? It was the words I've been hearing in my nightmares. Oh, Charlie. Some are just born. Bad. She began to laugh, and at first it was her voice. Then it grew into the demon laugh. I fell out of the chair and scrambled towards the door. I searched for the doorknob in the darkness, hearing footsteps behind me getting closer and closer. I finally found the door and busted through it. I ran towards the door of the museum, still hearing the loud laughter right behind me. I got to the car as fast as I could and started the engine, slamming the gear into reverse. I backed out in the road, shifted into drive, and pushed down the accelerator as hard as I could. I would never come back to commerce. Never. My hands shook all the way home. What the hell was that about? She kept saying right over and over again. The blood in my veins still felt very heavy. I shouldn't have went there. That poem, how did she know that? And all the things she said about my father... It was just too much to try and work out. I longed for sleep and was afraid of it. I was stricken. Stricken by a feeling greater than fear. No matter what you do, you can't keep yourself awake. Eventually, your body will make you lose consciousness, and you will leave the world we all live in and enter the other, full of monsters and dreadful things. I had been sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee at 3.20 in the morning. At least that's what I thought I was doing. I looked down, and there was a piece of paper and a pencil in front of me. Behind me, I heard the word right whispered in my ear. I reached for the pencil, and as soon as I touched it, I was standing in a place I didn't recognize. It was a courtroom. Angry people were all around. There was a girl in a cage, looking down, saying nothing. At the front of the room, there was a man. 
familiar. He has my face. Then I was at a barn. It's a girl crying. Blood all over her. A man was hanging. Gutted. Suddenly I was in a room. A, a soldier. That girl in the cage. The door opened. I held up a lantern. I was looking at myself. Then, dark, slicing. I woke up screaming. I ran over and turned on the light in the kitchen. On the table where I was sitting was pages and pages of written words. All in my handwriting. I began to read and saw my entire dream written down before me. I thought about the old lady and what she said. Many men in your family have seen it's not a dream. You are haunted and not when some are just born. Bad. I understood now. I knew why the overseer had my face. I knew why the demon torments me. My family was cursed. And I knew that there was only one way for it to stop. I had to die. I had only written one other manuscript apart from the one sitting on the table. I had done it to try to work myself through the pain of losing my family and the terror of the beginning of the demon in my life. I didn't know what else to do. I had sent it to Anthony just to share the story. I knew he'd be the only one who'd believe me about the demon after all the nightmares he'd seen me wake up from. He was never sympathetic about what I'd went through, though. He just said he'd read it and get back with me when he was finished. Over the course of a few months, I discovered what he really did. He told me that there was no way he could give me the credit and risk being exposed for being the creator of the story. So he took it, put his name on it, and was an overnight sensation. Every store I went to, I saw my story with his name on it. He quit teaching, bought a big house, and spent his time enjoying being what he always dreamed to be. A famous novelist. I think I would have been more furious at this if it wasn't for the fact that the reason I had to be sent away was because of what I did to Sally. He deserved as much. I was more concerned with seeing a demon everywhere I went. After a year of success with my story, Anthony began to press me about doing another writing project. I had nothing. My mind was consumed with survival. The panic and anxiety barely let me go to work and live what I longed for more than anything. A normal life. But Anthony needed more. He was being pressed by his publisher for the next novel, and even though he tried doing his own, he was very unhappy with it. The pressure was on for him, and I didn't know what to do about it. At least until now. 
I put the pages in a manila envelope and sat it back on the table. Exhaustion fell over me. I sat in my recliner and only meant to sit there for a few minutes. Before long, I was asleep. But this time it was different. I didn't see a black demon. My dream took me to my backyard, swinging next to my son on his swing set. He was laughing. Oh, dear God, I missed him so much. I fought back the tears as we kept swinging higher and higher. What are you guys doing? That's too high. <laughs> oh, gosh, guys. You're scaring me to death. <laughs> I looked toward the door to see my beautiful wife waving at us. I stopped swinging to look at her. She's so beautiful. I never knew I could love someone so much. I walked toward her. My pulse still beat so hard when I was around her. So madly in love. In an instant they were gone. And I was home alone again. I looked at the clock and saw it was 3.20 in the morning. But I had slept the entire evening. I felt so good. I mean, I slept without waking up in a sweat, without being terrified. I slept. I answered the phone, and it was Anthony. Hello? No more screwing around. Where's the manuscript? He was obviously drunk. It was how he always dealt with things and Sally was gone. I got one. I just finished it last night. I can meet you at the cabin tomorrow night. It better be real damn good. I've put my people off as long as I can. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be happy with it. He hung up without a word. I was still too relieved to have gotten a night's sleep. Maybe this is what the demon wanted all along, to tell the story. I mean, the weight was off of me, and I felt like myself for the first time in a very long time. Maybe I was free now. I could start over. Went over to the envelope and picked up a marker and titled it, Out of the Black. Driving to the cabin had the same effect as driving to Commerce. Dread and fear hovered all around me. My time spent in the cabin was horrifying. And it always took me right back to the time when I killed Sally. You never stop regretting your sins. Sally's murder had become a part of my body. Yes, murder. I had to start calling it what it was. And it was always there, no matter what I had done over the years to improve myself. The fact of the matter is that I committed a crime, and I was never tried for it. I literally got away with murder. Oh, God, the word. 
I felt myself starting to break. If I was going to try and get on with my life, it was time for me to own up to what I did. Maybe this is what the demon wanted as well. I cried all the way to the cabin. I was so sorry. I was going to tell Anthony I was going to turn myself in. I couldn't live like this anymore. Whatever the consequence, even if it meant death, I was going to face it. I drove down the dirt road that led to the cabin. I saw Anthony's car smashed into a tree. I quickly got out and saw that he wasn't inside. The car was totaled. He had to have been going fast to have that much damage. I called out for him, but he didn't answer. I decided to go to the cabin and see if he somehow made his way back there. The lights were out from what I could tell through the windows, except for the bedroom. I looked inside and didn't see anyone there. I noticed the gun was gone, and there were shotgun shells scattered on the bed. Shit. My first thought was that he had intruders. Phones were useless out here. I'd have to check and see if he was okay. I listened, but nothing but the sounds of the woods all around me. I walked around to the back and still didn't hear anything. At the side of the house, I saw the kitchen light was on. I looked in the window and saw Anthony on the floor. Blood was all over his face. I began to run around the side of the house until I heard the front door slam. I stopped and hid back around the corner of the house. I slowly looked around to see who came out the front door. But nobody was there. I quietly eased my way around the corner, still listening for anything at all. I heard no footsteps, not a sound. So I picked up my pace and got to the front door. I slowly opened the door and stepped inside, still holding the briefcase with the manuscript in it. When I stepped inside, I heard the distinct sound of a shotgun cocking. Anthony, it's me, Charlie. Charlie? What happened? Did someone break in? Yeah, yeah, someone's been here. He didn't sound like himself. He kept pointing the gun at me. I couldn't see his expression in the darkness of the room, but I could tell something was off. Something was very wrong. Hey man, put the gun down and tell me what's going on. Charlie, we gotta talk. Okay, yeah, we do. Let's put the gun down and we can... I got a confession, and you're, you're not gonna like it. What? What do you mean? I gotta tell you something, Charlie. It's, it's gonna be tough to hear, man. It's gonna be tough. Come on, man. Put down the gun. Let's just get out of here and go talk somewhere. You need a doctor. I saw the car. Let's just go, man. You had a good family, Charlie. I used to watch your house. I'd see you through the fence in your backyard. What? What are you talking about? 
You are a good dad, a good husband. You're so damned happy all the time. You're not making sense. Come on, let's just... I was there, man. I was there when it all happened. What do you mean? What what do you... I was there. I knew when they were going to be at that stoplight. Anthony, this is crazy. You need to see a doctor. I knew how fast to go. I... They never saw me coming. What are you saying? You took mine and I took yours and now the devil wants me. You... No, the devil wants me. It was right here all night. The devil wants me. felt weak. It's not possible. It can't be true, could it? It was a hit and run. They never found the... You took mine and I took yours. <laughs> I don't think our friendship's gonna be able to last. I can't have you tell... I, I can't have you telling anybody. <sighs> oh my god. Some of us are just born bad. He aimed the gun back at me. This was the end. In the seconds that followed, I looked behind Anthony and saw the demon smiling. I didn't want to be afraid anymore. I didn't want to run anymore. I had all of this life that I wanted. I was a killer. I was allowed happiness for a short time and was thankful for that. I didn't deserve that. I deserved to be standing here in this doorway facing my final moments of this despicable life I've led. Killed by the one I called brother. The one who used to save me from my nightmares. Just look at all we've done. I closed my eyes. Pictured my family one more time. Before I was finally set free. Thank you so much for listening to 13 Corpses. That was Chapter 6 of Stricken. Next week, you'll hear the sixth chapter of our story entitled The Call. After that, we will release the finales of each story and announce the winners of the $250 prizes for the best submission to each story. We would like to thank our sponsors who have been so generous about making this podcast possible. Dean King Roofing and Construction. Serving Southeast Missouri for over 55 years. Call Jamie at 573 703 6118 for your free estimate or visit them online at facebook.com slash Dean King Roofing. The Printing Company. More than ink on paper. Visit them online at theprintingco.biz. MDK Designs. Your vision, our quest. Visit them online at facebook.com slash mdkdesign. Canon Co. Studios. Go to canonco.studios.com for more information on them. 
and Southeast Missouri State University Department of Continuing Education. For all things creepy, check out their historic haunted ghost stores. Find out more at cmo.edu and search Continuing Education. You can also find them on Facebook at Cape Girardeau Haunted Ghost Tours Fans. A special thank you to Kip Rocket for use of his song, The Haunt, as the 13 Corpses Saint. Thank you so much for listening. Come back next week for part six of The Call.